Well, welcome back to the Informatics Cafe. My name is Mike Nitardi, and I'm pleased and proud to be your host today back here in the cafe. And, and with me in the cafe today, I have our guest, Steve Hinkle. He is the Director of Emerging Technologies at Duke Energy. But not only that, he's also on the adjunct faculty here at NKU in the College of Informatics and teaching robotics. And uh, Steve, it's great to have you. Thanks, Mike. I really appreciate being here. Well, Steve, I, before we jump into our topic today, we're going to be talking about the Internet of Things. Why don't you tell us a little bit about how you got involved here at the university? Absolutely. So, as mentioned, I am an employee of Duke Energy, and Duke Energy encourages all their employees to give back to their local communities, and I do that by volunteer teaching here. So what, what do you, you – I said that you teach robotics, but I want you to give us a little bit about what that means. Sure. It was actually – it was pretty exciting. It was the first class that combined informatics with engineering technology. So what we had was we had designed a robot, and but we needed very custom parts. You know, you, know, there's, you can go to Walmart for just about everything, but they don't carry wall, uh, robot parts. So we have to have those manufactured. So right. we turned to NKU to manufacture these very custom parts. The students get great um, experience building parts, and the best part is, instead of just saying they built something and scrapped it, now they can put on their resume, they actually helped build a real live robot. That is awesome. That is awesome. Now, how long have you been doing that? Um, the robotics piece, probably for maybe uh, two or three years, but I've been teaching on and off um, uh, here at NKU since uh, the mid-90s. Awesome. Awesome. Well, it's, it's great to have you here in the cafe today, and we're going to be talking about the, the IoT, or the Internet of Things, and I guess that, that really le- leads into the, the big question, what is the Internet of Things? <laughs> well, admittedly, the, the description itself is not you know self-descriptive, at least at first, and the reason is, it, all it is, it's simply a network of of physical objects or things. Okay. You know, it often means to add an internet connection to just about every conceivable object, a phone, a laptop, a garage door opener. You know, that, that, interconnect, that internet connection in turn can provide just unfathomable amounts of information. So, you know, if you've ever heard the term smart thermostat, smart door lock, that probably means that it, it has an internet connection and it enables new features, you know, remotely unlocking your door, or closing your garage door, or even an alert when the door's uh, unlocked as an example. So, you know, even maybe a, a more relatable analogy would be uh, a laptop. You know, mm-hmm. if you think about a laptop by itself, it has phenomenal computing power. It can store just, you know, buku pictures on it. But when you enable Wi-Fi, it opens a whole new category, right? You can check weather, news, sports, et cetera. Um, you can also share resources with your laptop, where it's uh, you can now share maybe printers or cameras within your home, as mm-hmm. an example. Um, so the whole idea is, when, once you have that connectivity, it opens up just a whole nother category. Right, right. So, you know, when I think about the, this kind of the Internet of Things, it's it, it kind of confusing. Um, so maybe to be illustrative, uh, this is what I always use when I was teaching IoT here, which is, you know, if you've ever been driving down the road and you've seen an irrigation system watering the lawn mm-hmm. while it's raining, you might, if you're like me, think to yourself, well, gee, that's kind of wasteful. If right. I could just tell that irrigation valve, you don't need to do that. Mother Nature's got you covered. That's the perfect example for IoT. That's good. That's good. Yeah. So and if you think about, if, you know, if I just enable an Internet connection to that irrigation valve, what are some of the things I can get? Well, I can get historic rainfall. You know, let's say I wanted to water a half inch and Mother Nature gave me half of that. I just need to top off. So a conservation strategy. Very right? good. 
But I can also do things like check the forecast. It might not be raining now, but is it going to be raining in the next three hours or so? Maybe I hold off and wait and see if it rains, you know. So you're playing this game to, to figure out do you need to expend that resource or not. I can also check wind speeds. You know, here at NKU, uh, irrigation that blows onto the sidewalk is problematic for me and you walking on the sidewalk, right? Right, right. Um, Solar irradiance is something that uh, expedites uh, evaporation, wastewater. You know, all this is readily available, free on the internet, that I can have an irrigation system um, go check. One other aspect is, uh, which is, you know, if, if we're during a drought, the water company typically will post that. Hey, please don't water. Well, right. again, I've got access to all that. And for what it's worth, all these features that we mentioned about literally about a couple dozen more uh, are I actually built using a, a $4 controller. Wow. Um, I, so I built it here at, at NKU. I, when I was teaching, I required the students to have a end of semester project, and I usually did one or two with them. And that was one of the ones that I did and kind of evolved through the years. That is that is fascinating, and that is amazing. And I'm, I'm sitting here looking at it. I wish our, our uh, listeners could see it. That is uh, amazing. Yeah, it's about half the size of your thumb, real tiny. Yes. But, but really, that's what caused this whole thing about IoT um, to just literally explode. You know, if you think about kind of like that, that laptop analogy, you have a human involved, typically. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Although a laptop can go out and check for updates and update itself, it would be, by definition, an Internet of Things device. But um, the, the sprinkler valve, this, this water irrigation valve, has no human involved, right? It's just machine to machine. Uh, and that's significant because given, think about all the devices in your home and how many of those could possibly be connected, that, that number is staggering, right? But, but what's really neat is when you have all these kind of come together and, and work as a team, that's where it takes off. But let's talk for just a second. If I wanted to have a smart thermostat in my home, I could you know, basically buy a laptop, um, make it laptop smart. But you're taking a $100 thermostat and you're making it cost now $1,000. Right. It's not too practical. But something did happen, which was, and, you know, it's where the stars aligned, mm-hmm, which mm-hmm. is this convergence of technology. So this processor that we have here in the studio today is, you know, I paid $4 for it. Wow. It has all the processing that I mentioned of checking the forecast, et cetera. Goodness um, sakes. Yeah, all for 4 bucks. So it's, that's where, and, and, and all the connectivity to the Internet as well. So when you start thinking about, you know, you, you can throw technology at anything, but at what point does it make economic sense? Um, that's where the stars align because what happened in the market is, you know, traditional computers had these things called a motherboard, and they're as big as a dinner plate, and they had all these chips on them, um, where now this called a system on a chip. The whole thing is literally about the size of your thumbnail. Goodness sakes. And so what what we're talking about here and what we've already kind of gotten into with, with your prior responses is is ways that, that this is obviously changing the world and why it matters. Gives gives us a lot of options, a lot of uh, abilities to do things with pieces of, of uh, well, not just irrigation, but other pieces of uh, equipment that we didn't have before. Absolutely. So, and it, and it does matter because if you start thinking about um, just like we talked about reducing waste in the irrigation system or reducing water, but um, there's other categories. You know, the USDA estimates that about a third of our entire food supply goes to waste. My and goodness. For, for various reasons, but one of the top reasons is refrigeration. So, you know, one of the things we would hopefully challenge some of the listeners at the end of this is, let's just build one of these 
things with a simple temperature sensor that can maybe not only tell you when it's broke, okay, that's when the food's gonna be damaged, but if we can do predictive analysis, it's fairly trivial to do. Um, hopefully we can predict failure long before it happens, we get it fixed, and we keep that food from being wasted as an example. There's a whole nother category of why it matters, which is this environmental play. You know, I'm here, my house is vacant, and my house is pretty much asleep. You know, if, if you're here and your house is going full blast, which most of uh, houses are, that is an opportunity for serious um, uh, reduction of, of, of wasted right. Um, energy. Right. right. We can also enhance our quality of life. You know, you think about, uh, you know, we're very blessed, but you think about folks that are maybe blind or, or hearing impaired and stuff, this can open a whole new category to enable them to interact with the physical environment. Healthcare monitoring, that's a huge one, right? Which, you know, again, just like the, the, the food analogy there, we don't want to wait until the problem occurs. We want early warning signs. And maybe IoT devices that are wearable would make a great deal of sense that could report in uh, a trend that's going on. And then you've got all these real custom categories. I'll just give one to be illustrative, but sports. Sports mm -hmm. is big business, right? Mm -hmm. If I could use IoT devices on, a, on someone, an, an athlete, that could tell them that they're, they're headed for injury, or, or maybe I even I put a sensor in a baseball bat or a golf club that, you know, when you start talking about a competitive advantage um, in, in sports that are highly competitive, this stuff can make a difference, and it, it's big money. Yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah, I, 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 the uh, one thing that jumps out uh, to me on that, and, and I don't want to take a big uh, aside here or go down a rabbit hole, but but it's interesting that you brought that up because I became a big soccer fan back in 2009, and um, just just that long ago, uh, it used to be they'd all take off their shirts and show their in shape bodies. Now, when they take off their shirts, they show this this thing that's over their chest that's monitoring their heart and their blood pressure and everything to, i guess to show everybody how in shape they are how they're <laughs> doing and it seems to me that that's not good for the athletes because you know now now they're now they're going to have their coaches asking them all the time why aren't you running as hard you know we can see your <laughs> blood pressure's up we can see that you're out of breath um you know, won't you, that, that's just one way that it's going to be. It's going to be beneficial, but it also might be intrusive, I guess, in some aspects. Absolutely, and no argument. Anything can be good, uh, used for good, or it could be used for evil. So, the whole idea of this um, secure, uh, this whole security topic, maybe introducing biometrics, maybe that you know wearables that can only sense what your body has. That is absolutely going to be key, and it's, you know, I don't want to downplay it. It, it. it is an issue, and it's an issue that you need to, when you're designing these systems, you need to design it in from the beginning. You can't really build a system and bolt that on at the end. It doesn't work. You know, and, and that brings up a, a really good point that, that I know that in, in my sphere of, of work that, that it's come up and having to do with security um, with IoT is the ability to update to you know, for patches to to items that maybe might be connected to the internet that maybe don't get routine updates. Is that something that you think that we're going to be you know looking into and trying to get better as we become even more of an IoT world? Yeah, absolutely. In fact, um, the the device that I brought in here today, um, you could just update it remotely if you wanted to. But if you could do that, chances are someone else could do that. So to actually force it to actually update itself, you have to hold a button. Now that's by choice. 
that's the choice I made because I don't want just anybody updating it, hijacking it, taking control of it. So, um, so from that perspective, yeah, that that that's the th- those are things you absolutely have to build into your system. And I can also say there's some really trivial things that have little to do with IoT that you know every household should do, which is you know firewalls within your home. So my irrigation system, all the systems that I have in my home. You know, I just sold my home a couple months ago. I had about 70 IoT devices. Oh, wow. Did everything from checking pool temperature, pool levels, um, to the efficiency of my air conditioner, all that kind of stuff. Um, so moving into a new house, and I only have about a dozen so far. Um, I'm just getting started, but no, I'm sure I'll end up um, back at that number. But not a single one of those devices is allowed to hit the Internet itself. Now, that sounds kind of contradictory, but it can actually hit another device and send an alert out to me. But typically, I keep all that information within my home. I never let it leave. You know, those are architectures that um, you can design around your system to not even expose it to begin with. That is Amazing, and that is really good advice and really good information uh, that that candidly I wasn't even aware of. That that is that is something else. So we we've kind of gotten into this a little bit more, but is there anything else that our listeners should know about how IoT can be used? We've we've talked a lot about that, but are there some other areas that maybe our listeners should know about? Yeah, I think so. I think um, you know it, it's it's so profound we can only um, really um, hit hit a few topics, but you know when you think about uh, maybe a door lock that I mentioned at the very beginning. For for me and you, that's a convenience. You know, maybe we don't. You know, the door is not locked. You know, my house will just automatically lock itself at 10 p.m. But um, you, you you grab your phone and so you don't have to get out of bed. It's a convenience. But think about certain scenarios where maybe there's an elderly person involved uh, living by themselves and they've just called 911, but they can't make it to the door. What's the likely scenario? first responders are probably going to have to beat the door down, right? right? Unfortunately, now you've got that mess to deal with. Well, could you imagine if, if there was an IoT device that maybe when you called 911, maybe that it automatically unlocked the door? And I can tell you, decades ago, I was actually a first responder. I drove an ambulance. Oh, wow. And um, uh, there was many times that all you get is a street name. You don't get perfect information right. of you know where it is, what the problem is. You just start rolling in that direction. Could you imagine you have, you know, intelligent lighting within the home is very, very popular these days. But can you imagine not only when this elderly person dials 911, it maybe unlocks the front door, but maybe starts flashing the porch light. Wow. It helps first responders get there. The point there that I, was, I really want to stress is it's the same exact physical switch, but we're using it in multiple ways. That's where the real power of IoT comes in is when it can be used as a team or it can be used in multiple ways. So that's just you know one example of, of how you can have that light switch maybe double as, or even a door lock uh, double uh, to provide additional uh, benefits. There's uh, you know when we think about healthcare, we have an aging population. This is going to be really big. And I, I, I went to CES, the Consumer Electronics Show, and I saw an IoT toothbrush. And I thought to myself, well, that's silly, you know. So I went over and talked to him. And, and as it turned out, it wasn't silly at all. It was my ignorance to not realize so my specific situation. I didn't need it. But um, in, in this whole healthcare category, there's, you know, the, what they described to me is certain people don't have enough enamel on their teeth and they need to apply it and it has to be applied properly for it to work. And this toothbrush will tell you tooth by tooth if you've done it properly or not. It's kind of hmm. like sunscreen for your skin, right? So Interesting. my point there is that 
things that I would just discount and say, ah, that's there's no IoT candidate. Well, maybe for me, but if I think of others' needs, then maybe it's back on the table. Right. So right. this whole idea of healthcare, I mean, certainly a lot of things come to mind, which is you know blood pressure monitoring, heartbeat monitoring, uh, oxygen levels, all that stuff. Absolutely can't argue. But there's this whole other category that can really help people that are, are maybe not as, as fortunate as us. And so when we think differently about how to apply it, um, the, the, the floodgates open. That is, that is amazing. And, and you're exactly right. And what a great way to think about um, our community and our, our uh, helping individuals that, that need the help, that how everyday items can somehow help them that we don't even know about today. That is absolutely fantastic. Now, let me ask you, how can our listeners learn more about the Internet of Things? Uh, that's a great question. So there are some formal options. So NKU has had classes in the past. I've personally taught. Um, there's a new class coming out. It's uh, CIT 381. It's taught by a very good friend of mine. And so if you want to go down this formal route, um, you know, I, I'm intimately familiar with the instructor there, and it, it, it will not disappoint. Very I, good. Rest assured. However, you could say, well, I just want to dip my toe in the water. I'm not really willing to commit to that just yet. There are a plethora of options out there. And honestly, it's so many options that might lead to some confusion. Sure. So, you know, could we possibly use this podcast to just kind of point people in, the, in, in, in a direction, knowing full well, I'm not going to lie, there's a hundred other ones that are just as valid. But, you know... If I were to recommend to someone, you know, how would I get started? Well, I would start with this, and it's a cryptic term, but it's called an ESP32, uh-huh. Echo Sierra Papa 32. Uh-huh. It's this $4 processor, and, you know, if you want the convenience of next, next day shipping, you can pay, you know, 11 bucks for it or whatever. But um, <laughs> I would start with that. And, you know, there's all these tutorials out there. And, and if I were to recommend one, and you know, today it might be different than tomorrow, but it's, it's uh, random nerd tutorials. Okay. Sounds kind of funny, but okay. if, if a listener were just to search random nerd tutorials, ESP32, you're going to see just all kinds of things. Wow. Now, my irrigation example, I'm probably about $300 into it. That might be a little bit expensive for, for a starter one. But, you know, if you wanted to just monitor the health of your air conditioner, because we're in, we're in um, cooling season now, that you could actually buy the ESP32. Like I said, I paid 4 bucks for the one I have in here, a temperature sensor or air quality sensor, whatever you want to measure. They're average about $2, you know. Mm-hmm. So what, what's really neat about that is, you know, having the experience of teaching here, if you're going to buy a couple hundred dollar device, many people are paralyzed by fear of damaging it. So you don't really jump in. This, I'm telling you, you know, you're out, uh, you know, I don't want to, you know, you're out of 12 bucks. So it's right. a lot right. less risky, let's just put it that way. So that's something that, you know, using random nerd tutorials, using the ESP32 um, can really get you started into, you know, read some of those tutorials and just find out what makes sense for you. You know, we've all been taught that, you know, electric can kill. So anything that's dealing with the lights of your home, let's leave that for UL listed devices. But, you know, as a good starting point, um, you know, things like temperature monitoring, um, those are just dynamite and extremely valuable ways of, of, um, of learning how to get into this. That is great. That, that is great advice. Um, I'm going to look into that myself. Um, I, it really appeals to me, like you said, about 
and not not wanting to to waste you know hundreds of, of dollars but you're exactly right I'm, I'm okay with messing up twelve dollars <laughs> worth of machinery well Steve I want to thank you so much for taking the time to be with us here in the in the cafe today I know that it's been very instructive very educational and informative for our listeners um, and I, I really would love to have you back sometime to talk even more because this this world's just going to continue to grow uh, so thank you very much for being here with us today thank you Mike I really appreciate it Informatics Cafe is a production of Informatics Plus, the outreach arm of Northern Kentucky University's College of Informatics. Hosted by Mike Nitardi, produced by Chris Brewer, music and engineering by Aaron Zlatkin, recorded at the Informatics Audio Studio in Griffin Hall. Mm-hmm.